Uh, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, today six of our young people are making public profession of their faith. They are responding to the promises that the Lord made to them at their baptism. At baptism, the Lord promised to be their God, and He called them to be His children. Today, Nicole, Shana, Aidan, Kirsten, Emily, and Morgan are in faith, committing their hearts and lives to their Savior. Jesus Christ. It's our Lord God who has worked this response in your hearts by His Spirit. We praise God for His mighty work in you. When we make profession of our faith, we are making a vow. We are committing our hearts and lives to God's service. To help us understanding our commitment, we're going to examine the life of Moses and how he responded to God in faith. Moses held a privileged position in Egypt. Even though he was born of Hebrew parents, he'd been adopted as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Moses was a prince in the land. He received the best education Egypt had to offer. He held a position of great honor. He shared in the treasures Egypt had to offer. Moses was one of the most privileged people living in Egypt. And yet Moses' faith caused him to forgo this privileged position. The reality that Moses faced was that the people of God were slaves in a foreign land. Moses believed the promises God had made to the patriarchs, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He identified with the people of God instead of with the Egyptians. Moses was willing to be mistreated with the people of God instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He was willing to give up earthly riches in pursuing an invisible heavenly reward. It was Moses' faith that caused him to make these choices. As young people, the challenge facing you is to live out the faith that you are professing today. Often, when we as young people commit our lives to the Lord, the spiritual battle we face increases. And Satan doesn't like it when we promise to love the Lord, to forsake the world, to crucify our old nature. He's not happy when we commit our whole life to Christ's service as a living member of His church. And so He'll place particular temptations in front of you to try to lead you astray. That's why we want to encourage you this morning to continue to live by faith in Christ our Savior. I preach you God's Word under the following theme. Like Moses, we are called to commit our whole life to Christ and His service. That means... Our people are to be God's people and not worldly friends. 
Our treasure is Christ, not the fleeting pleasures of sin. And our home is heaven, not this earth. Now Moses was born in the land of Egypt when God's people were slaves of King Pharaoh. The Israelites were multiplying rapidly. It made Pharaoh afraid of them. He issued orders that every son born to the Israelites was to be thrown into the river. It was in this situation that Moses was born. He was a beautiful child, the Bible says, and his parents resolved to keep him. They hid him for three months. Then his mom made an ark of bulrushes and sealed it with tar. She put Moses in this basket. She set it by the reeds at the river's edge. There Moses was found by Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter had compassion on this little baby. She claimed him as her own. She paid Moses' mom to nurse him. Moses grew, and in due time his mom brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. Moses held a very privileged position. Many of the Hebrew boys were drowned in the river, but he survived the cruel edict of Pharaoh. Moses did not grow up as an oppressed slave like his countrymen. They had to bake bricks and use those bricks in, various, in, in Pharaoh's various building programs. And when they didn't work hard enough, they were cruelly oppressed. Pharaoh's taskmasters beat them to get them to work harder. But Moses grew up in the royal court as the princess's son. Moses received a royal education. From Acts 7, we learn that Pharaoh's daughter brought him up as her very own son. Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. In ancient times, Egypt was a great center of learning, knowledge, and wisdom. The Egyptians were a very successful society. The pyramids, one of the seven wonders of the world, were built by these people. It's likely Moses was educated in philosophy, in mathematics, in literature, and rhetoric. He was trained to serve in a leadership role. And Moses responded well to this training. Acts 7 says that he was mighty in his words and deeds. Moses also lived a comfortable and secure life. The annual flooding of the Nile River made Egypt the breadbasket of the region. The Egyptians were rich and prosperous. We've seen the results of that in the past hundred or so years, as some of the tombs of the pharaohs have been discovered. These tombs were laden with gold and many other precious items. As the son of Pharaoh's daughter, Moses had whatever he desired. Moses held a royal position. He was a prince in Egypt. He lived a privileged life of luxury and abundance. He could look forward to a glorious future, ruling as one of the leaders in the land. But what did Moses do? Well, our text says, By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Moses refused to be an Egyptian. Instead, he identified himself with the people of God. 
It's important to note that this was a faith decision. It was not the rash decision of a young man. Moses was of age. Acts 7 tells us he was 40 years old when he made up his mind. He thought it better to associate with the Hebrew slaves who were the people of God rather than with the Egyptians who ruled over them. Moses turned his back on privilege, on power, and pleasure. By faith he considered, he calculated, and he decided. By faith he said, I am for the Messiah and for his people. Moses chose to align himself with the people of God rather than hang on to his privileged position. The choice to serve Christ has consequences for who we identify with. When we commit ourselves to the Lord in His service, it brings with it a commitment to be God's child. God gathers His people together as one body, the church. And so we see that a choice for Christ means a choice for His people. One of the church fathers, Augustine, spoke about this. He wrote a book called The City of God. He taught that although there are many nations, many peoples, and many religions in this world, there's basically only two societies, the city of God and the city of man. There's only two communities. There's the church and the world. And beloved, you can only belong to one of the two, not to both. A commitment to Christ means a commitment to his people. Biblically, we see this in Ruth's confession of faith. She was also faced with a choice in her life to serve the Lord and follow Him or to go her own way in rejection of Him. Ruth's sister Orpah returned to her own land, her own people, and her own gods. But Ruth clung to Naomi She said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. Where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. We see Ruth pledged loyalty to Naomi, to her people, and to her God. Our Lord Jesus Christ showed us that identifying with family members, with blood relatives, is less important than unity with God's covenant people. Now the Bible is not saying that family is unimportant, but it teaches us to identify with those who share our faith. In Matthew 12, the Lord Jesus pointed to his disciples and said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. With these words, Christ teaches us, it's in Him that we are united. The thing that holds us together as brothers and sisters in the church is that we all share in one body and one spirit. We all have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all. When we commit ourselves to Christ and His service, it means we commit ourselves to a church family. Now, there's times when we build relationships with unbelieving classmates or workmates 
or others that God puts on our pathway in life. Within those relationships, we can have good opportunities to witness of our faith in Christ. Beloved, use the opportunities the Lord gives you. Do not hide your light under a bushel. Speak with your neighbors about the hope that lives in you. Yet do not seek your closest friends from among the people of this world. Ultimately, you've got nothing in common. God has put enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. James writes that friendship with the world is enmity with God. From Moses, we learn two things. He broke ties with the Egyptians. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Well, in the same way, we need to separate ourselves from the people of this world. That's why partying with the people of this world, that's why hanging out in bars and nightclubs is wrong. You're choosing to associate with the city of man, with the people of this world. Peter exhorts us to live as sojourners and exiles in this world, abstaining from the sinful desires which wage war against our souls. Christ our King utters this command in Revelation 18. Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. Not only did Moses break contact with the Egyptians, he also aligned himself with the people of God. They were just a group of motley slaves. They had no standing in this world. And yet they belonged to God. They were his covenant people, a nation to whom he had made such great promises. In faith, Moses chose to be mistreated with the people of God instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. Well, in the same way, young people, God calls you to make His people your people. And who are these people? Well, it's us Christians. It's your brothers and sisters in faith. Where do we find these people? In the church. Peter makes it clear in what he writes in 1 Peter 2. Peter's audience is exiles of the dispersion, persecuted Christians scattered throughout Asia. The churches there were made up of both Jewish and Gentile believers. Peter calls this group of people a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. You see, beloved, when you are making profession of your faith, you're promising to be a living member of, his, of Christ's church. That means you identify with your brothers and sisters in the faith. That you seek your friendships. That you build relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ. That you also use your gifts and your talents in the midst of the congregation for the well-being of the other members. That we all help each other stand strong against Satan's attacks as we travel on the way of everlasting life. In our first point, we've considered that committing our whole life to Christ means that our people are God's people and not worldly friends. In our second point, we'll see that it also means that our treasure is Christ and not the fleeting pleasures of sin. 
often the response of youth to the message that they should not get involved with worldly friends is, well, how boring is that? We often consider it fun to make friends with the people of this world and to involve ourselves in their way of life. Moses' choice for God's people was not made because this would be more fun. It was not made because it would make his life easier. Our text shows the opposite is true. It says that Moses chose to be mistreated among, along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Why was Moses willing to suffer such mistreatment? Well, because he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Moses' focus was on the promises of God. His focus was on the coming Messiah. God had promised Abraham that through him all the families of the earth would be blessed. Moses would later speak to the children of Israel about the coming Messiah, saying that God would raise up a prophet like him from among his people. Even though he did not know everything about the coming Messiah, in faith Moses chose Christ as his treasure. Ultimately, each one of us is faced with a choice in life. Who or what are we going to make number one in our lives? Who or what will our first love be? When you make profession of faith, you're committing to love Christ above all else. It means forsaking the world and crucifying our sinful flesh. Beloved, for us, that's really hard to do. And in our own strength, we cannot do it. It's only possible through faith. A faith worked in our hearts by the Spirit of God. You see, beloved, by nature, we love the world and what the world has to offer. We often love sin because sin often has an immediate payoff. Partaking in sin gratifies the flesh. Makes us feel sh it makes us feel good, at least in the short term. If it wasn't the case, then Satan's temptations would hold no power. For us, the passing pleasures of sin often hold great attraction. We consider the treasures of this world as worth having. That's why the Bible offers the warnings it does. Think of the repeated exhortations by the Apostle Paul for us to put off the sinful desires of the flesh. Think of what the Apostle John writes in 1 John 2, 15-17. He says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away with all its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. In this regard, we think particularly of the desire for money and the stuff that money can buy. 
We need to be aware of the temptation money is for us in the materialistic society in which we live. Our text notes that Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater value than the wealth of the treasures of Egypt. As prince in Egypt, Moses was a very rich man. He had more wealth than he knew what to do with. And yet he chose to give it up in his choice for Christ. Christ our Lord himself has taught us you cannot serve both God and money. Paul warns in 1 Timothy 6 that many have shipped their, shipwrecked their faith because of their love for money. Like Moses, we are called to make Christ our treasure, to seek Him above all else in life. Moses considered disgrace for the sake of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Like his Lord, Moses was willing to suffer disgrace. The writer of Hebrews speaks in Hebrews 13 about the sufferings of Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ suffered outside the city gate in order to make us holy by his own blood. Jesus became an outcast for us. Hebrews 13, 13 encourages us, let us then go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. Christ calls us to take up our cross and follow him. For ultimately Christ is our treasure, not the passing pleasures of sin. This brings us to our final point, and we'll see that making a commitment to Christ means that our home is heaven and not this earth. Moses forfeited his position as prince in Egypt in line to rule over the land. He gave up his privileges, riches, honor, and glory. Why would he do that? Because he looked ahead to his reward. He looked to the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Christ our Savior did something similar. Christ left behind the riches, the glory, the honor that he had in heaven. Philippians 2 speaks about how he emptied himself, how he gave up his divine privileges to come and live among sinful people. Christ became a servant for us. Why? Because it was only through his suffering that he could bring many sons to glory. Beloved, we need to learn to live our lives with an eternal perspective. This world is not the be-all and the end-all of life. Nothing that this world has to offer can provide you with lasting satisfaction. Our text speaks about the fleeting pleasures of sin. Pleasures that make you feel good for a little while, but which do not last. With sin, the law of diminishing returns always applies. As time progresses, you get less and less satisfaction from a sinful way of life. Sin carries with it a very high cost 
The Bible teaches that the wages of sin are death. Sin alienates us from God. If we pursue a sinful way of life, in the end we'll cut ourselves off from our Savior. But to know Christ, to make Him our treasure, that provides a lasting reward. If Christ is our joy and our delight, that really provides satisfaction in life. There is no treasure like knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. In Him, there is life, there is joy, there is comfort, there is peace. Beloved, are you willing to give up all things for the sake of knowing Christ as your Savior? With Paul, are you willing to consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, our Lord? Christ taught us, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He calls us to find our life in Him. Hebrews 11 speaks about some of our fellow pilgrims who fought the good fight of the faith and who have finished the race. They consider themselves to be strangers and exiles on this earth. They were looking for a country of their own. They were longing for a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. Beloved, home is where the heart is. Where is your heart? Together with Paul, can you say, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call? Of God in Christ Jesus? Is your citizenship in heaven? God has promised to reward those who seek their life and salvation in Jesus Christ. He calls us to run with perseverance the race marked out for us so that we may inherit the crown of glory. There is a great inheritance that awaits us. Christ has promised eternal life to all those who believe in Him, to all who commit their lives to His service. This will be a time when we share in joy and glory so great that no eye has seen nor ear heard nor the heart of man imagined what God has in store for those who love Him. Nicole Shana, Aidan, Kirsten, Emily, and Morgan. Today you are responding to the covenant promises made to you at your baptism. You're making a faith choice. The Spirit has worked in your heart the certainty that the promises of God are true. God has brought you to this day where you're committing your whole life to Christ and His service. May God in His grace grant you all you need to live by the vows you make this morning. May He guide you by His Word and Spirit as you run the race. Live from the perspective taught in our text that God's people are your people, that Christ is your treasure, that heaven is your home. 
That way you too will share in Christ, now and forevermore. Amen. Let's respond to the gospel message by singing together from hymn 43.